I've got two primary goals tonight. The first is to faithfully bring God's Word to you. The second is to not go off of the back of the platform here like I about did last time. So long as we accomplish the first one, we'll be good. Well, if you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles, if you haven't already, to Ephesians chapter 6. We'll be looking together tonight at chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Just to briefly set the context, this section from 522 through 69 is often referred to as the household code. And in this section, what Paul is essentially doing is he is specifically applying the general exhortation that he gives in chapter 5, verse 21, which is to be filled with the Spirit by submitting to one another in the fear of God. He's specifically applying that to the relationships within the household. And so in 5.22 to 33, Paul applies that, applies that call to mutual submission to the marriage relationship to wives and then to husbands. And so as we come to God's Word tonight in chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, as Pastor already said, we'll be seeing how this call to submission particularly applies to children and their relationship to parents. And so again, as Pastor already said, though every sermon certainly, children, is for you, I'm going to be looking much at you tonight and speaking much to you. So I'd encourage you to have your copies of God's Word open or snuggle up next to mom and dad and look at their copies of God's Word, but give your specific attention to it this night. This is a word from God specifically for you. So with those thoughts in mind, let's hear now God's holy and infallible Word. Ephesians 6, verses 1 to 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Sends the reading of God's holy word. Well, children, God starts out, he starts out saying, children, I just want to remind you that in the context of this letter, which is written to the church as a whole, the fact that God addresses you specifically in this letter is a wonderful reminder to you that you are supposed to be here, that you are in fact a member of Christ's church, that your God loves you and that he cares for you just as much as he does your mom and your dad, just as much as he does your pastor and your elders and your deacons. He cares for your soul just as much. He desires that you would believe in Jesus Christ, that you would grow in Christ's likeness, becoming more and more like Jesus just as much as he does anyone. And so he directs this word to you tonight, and he speaks this word to you. And the specific way that God desires that you would become more and more like Jesus Christ, that you would become more and more holy in heart and conduct in our passage tonight, is by obeying your parents. Most simply, to obey your parents simply means to listen to them and to do as they tell you to do. That's what it means to obey your parents. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8, we read this. 
My son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. And an old pastor named Thomas Watson points out that this passage in Proverbs teaches you that your parents are God's primary earthly representatives to you. They are the ones in your lives that God primarily gives to represent him to you. And the point I want you to get from that and want you to understand is that your relationship to your parents in many ways serves as a reflection to your relationship to the Lord. So your obedience to your parents is a reflection of, it is an indicator of, your obedience to the Lord. And so if you often harden your heart against your parents, you Close your ears to the things that your parents have to say to you. God's word would teach you that that's an indicator, that's a warning sign that your relationship with God is not going well. There's this connection, there's a reflection just in the same way as we hear in Ephesians 5, to 33 that in many ways your dad is the head of your mom in the marriage relationship and so is God's primary representative to your mom, the one that most closely resembles Christ to your mother. Again, so in a like manner, your parents are God's primary representatives to you. God says here that you're to obey your parents in the Lord. To obey your parents in the Lord. God has made his covenant of grace with you in Jesus Christ, in your baptism, you were baptized into the body of Jesus Christ, made a visible member of the visible church. And so God calls you in covenant with Christ to respond to his covenant grace shown to you by obeying your parents in his strength, by faith in him, out of love for him and to the glory of God. Something I think I've said here in this congregation before, another way to understand this in the Lord's statement, let's always remember this, what the gospel teaches us, that all of the gospel commands, I never tire of saying this, all of the gospel commands are calls to be who you already are in Jesus Christ. As we heard already in the reading, Jesus obeyed his father perfectly. He's the perfectly obedient son of God. So if, in fact, you do believe in Jesus Christ, then you are united to Jesus Christ. And what that means is that whatever is true of him is true of you. And therefore, that means that in God's sight, in his courtroom, you're already seen because you're clothed in the perfect righteousness of Christ. You're already seen as a perfectly obedient child. That's who you are in Christ. So this call to obey in the Lord, I about did it. This call to obey in the Lord is a call to be who you already are. In Jesus Christ. Some of the richness of what it means to obey your parents in the Lord. And God says that you are to do this, to obey your parents in Christ's strength. Have faith in Christ because this is right. This is right. It's the right thing to do. God has commanded it and therefore it is right to do. And the word here really is the word righteous. We could say that it is righteous to do simply again means it is Christ-like to do. 
children, to obey your parents is to imitate Jesus Christ. You're familiar with the story, the narrative, the history in Luke chapter 2. Jesus and his parents were in Jerusalem and his parents start to head back home to Nazareth and they realize 12-year-old Jesus is not with them and so they go back to Jerusalem and they find him in the temple talking to all of the teachers and there are numerous things that were said. You could go and you could read that passage, Luke chapter 2, on your own time. But one thing that we can assume was said, even though it's not recorded in the text, at some point... Mary and Joseph had to have said, Jesus, it's, it's time to go home. Son, it's time to go back home. And what are we told? In Luke chapter 2, verse 51, we're told that he, that is Jesus, went down with them and came to Nazareth, which is to say he went back home with them and he was subject to them. So children, you see, your God and Savior obeyed his parents for this was right. So what is this call? What is this call to obey your parents, to imitate Jesus in this way? How does this look in your own life? What is a way that you can apply this, take this home and begin to apply this call in your own life? And part of what it means to obey Jesus, or I mean to obey your parents in the Lord, in Jesus... Another pastor named Ted Tripp helpfully points out one way we can understand this call to obey Jesus or to obey your parents in Jesus is that this call to obey your parents is a call to do what they tell you to do without challenge, without excuse, and without delay. To obey your parents do what they tell you to do without challenge, excuse, or delay. We know that parents, just like no one, husbands over wives, parents over children, no one has the authority to call you to sin, to disobey the Lord. But assuming that mom and dad are not calling you to sin, whatever then at that point they tell you to do, you are to do so without challenge, excuse, or delay. And so if Mom or dad tell you to clean up your room. Mom and dad tell you to put your plate in the sink after a meal. If mom and dad tell you to do your schoolwork, you're to do so without challenge. That doesn't mean that you can't work with your parents to figure out what respectful appeal may look like in your own home. You can work that out with mom and dad. But a respectful appeal is so very different from a disrespectful challenge. So if mom or dad tell you to do something, you are not to respond by saying no. Or you're not to respond in some other challenging way to tell them how unfair they are being by telling you to do that thing, whatever it is. That is to challenge their authority, you see. Even if you end up doing what they told you to do, you did not obey without challenge. You're also to obey without excuse. To obey without excuse. So again, if mom or dad tell you to clean up a mess, you're not to make excuses. You're not to say, well, the mess is too big, or I didn't make that mess, or I'm, I'm too tired to clean up that mess. That is to make excuse. Or if mom or dad tell you to do your schoolwork, 
tell them it's, it's too boring, it's too hard, it's too much. That would be to make excuses. You're to obey without excuse. And lastly, you're to obey without delay. To obey without delay. So if mom or dad, again, if they tell you to do something, you're not to respond by saying, I'll do it in a minute. You see, there may be a time, you could be in the bathroom or something, you need to tell them that so that they know that you heard them. But otherwise, you're not to just sit there and continue to do whatever it is you want to do, and then afterwards, then you'll obey mom or dad, you see. To obey mom and dad in the Lord means to obey without challenge, without excuse, and without delay. But to obey mom and dad in the Lord also means that you're to obey them out of a right heart and to a right end. To obey them out of a right heart and to a right end. To obey them out of a right heart most simply means that you are ultimately to obey mom and dad before all things out of love for God. That is the primary heart motivation that we are all to have in every aspect of our obedience to the Lord. And so if you are obeying mom and dad, but you are angry with God in your heart, or you are angry with your parents in your heart, then yes, you're obeying them, you're doing what they said, but you're not really obeying them in the Lord, because you're not obeying them from a right heart, you see. And you're also to obey them to a right end, to right end, which means to the glory of God, to the glory of God, out of praise and thanks to God, and obeying them so that God would get the praise, so that He would get the thanks, Not so the light is on you and that you are such an obedient child. Not to obey just so that your parents will give you what you want or that they will let you do something. You see, an example would be, say, you're on a busy day with mom. She's got a lot of errands to run. She says something along the lines, if you listen well today, I'll get you some ice cream at the end of the day on the way home. If you obey mom or dad in in such an example just so that you can get the ice cream at the end of the day, you're not obeying to a right end. You're not obeying to glorify God. You're obeying to serve yourself. You're obeying because you love yourself and you want to give self what self wants. But God's Word calls you to obey in the Lord, to obey from a right heart and to a right end. So verse 1, children... You're to submit to your parents. You're to be filled with the Spirit that has come under the control of the Spirit by submitting to your parents, by doing what they tell you to do without challenge, without excuse, without delay, out of love for God and to the glory of God. And then look with me at verse 2, the first half of verse 2. You'll notice that Paul quotes the fifth commandment. I trust most of you know the fifth commandment, honor. And if you know one of the commandments, it's probably this one. Honor your father and your mother. To honor your father and mother, to honor it means to respect them, to think highly of them, to see them as the important people that they are in your life, that God has put them in your life to be. 
is to be thankful for them. And most of all, and most fundamentally, it is to love them. So you see, when we take verse 2 in here, we see, children, that you're to obey your parents not only out of love for God. That is the ultimate reason, but also out of love for your mother and your father. To obey your parents out of love for God and out of love for them. Children, I want you to see clearly what the word here says. It says, honor your father and, and your mother. And it's often the case, not always, not with every child in every instance, but it is often the case that children do not honor their mothers as much as they do their fathers. So children, I call you to ask yourself, ask yourself now, do you honor your mother as much as your father? Do you listen as well to your mother as you do to your father? Does your mother have a harder time getting you to obey her than your father does? And if the answer is yes to any of those questions, then you do need to know that you are not honoring father and mother. That's something, that's a sin that you need to repent of that you need to confess to the Lord and seek his forgiveness for and confess to mom and dad and to seek their forgiveness for. See, God has said, honor father and mother. Mother and father are equal authorities in your life, and they are due equal honor. In Leviticus 19.3, it's interesting, God reverses the call. He says, revere your mother and your father. And here it's honor your father and your mother. For whatever re other reason that may be, certainly one is that mother and father, father and mother, it doesn't matter which order you put it in, they are equal authorities. And they are due equal reverence and equal honor. You see, you are to honor your father and your mother. How can you do this? How can you honor father and mother? Well, first the way we've already talked about. You, you obey father and mother. When your dad calls you to do something, you do it without challenge, excuse, or delay, out of love for God, out of love for dad, and to the glory of God. If mom tells you to do something, makes a request of you, you do so without challenge, excuse, or delay, out of love for God, out of love for mom, and to the glory of God. Second, you need to do so by, again, believing what we just said. Believing what was just said from God's word in your own mind that father and mother have equal authority and they're due equal honor in the Lord. You need to pray that God would help that truth not to merely be like a beach ball that floats on the surface of your mind without ever sinking down into your heart and influencing your actual life. But you need to pray that God would cause that truth to be like a rock, to sink down from the mind into the heart, 
and actually influence your life in the Lord. Third, you should honor mother and father by the way that you speak to them. It's another thing that can be hard for children, not to backtalk mom and dad, not to roll your eyes at mom and dad, not to yell at mom and dad, not to speak to mom and dad in a mean or disrespectful tone, but to speak to them with kindness and with respect and love. These things are pleasing to the Lord your God. And then lastly, lastly, in honoring mother and father, you should thank, should thank your mom and your dad often for all that they do for you. For all that they do for you. Mom and dad love you so much. They do so much for you. So again, I'd call you to ask yourself, when, when was the last time that you thanked mom and or dad for all that they do for you? Maybe ask yourself, have you ever? Have you ever thanked mom or dad for all that they do for you? Or do you complain? Do you complain much more about what mom and dad don't do instead of thanking them for what they do for you? Beloved children, honor your father and your mother. And then the rest of verse 2 through the end of our passage says that this is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. What does Paul mean that this is the first commandment with a promise? Well, it could be that Paul is saying here that this is the first and only commandment with a particular promise attached to it. The second commandment, you may well know, does have a promise attached to it but it's a much more general promise that has to do with general obedience to the totality, to the whole of God's law. This here is a particular promise attached to a particular commandment. But the word first here can also have the idea of foremost or high-ranking or very important. And seeing that neither of those or rather I should say that both of those fit well enough with the context here, what we could say is this, children, that most simply God is saying here in the end of chapter 2, or I'm sorry, the, the, the end of chapter 2, is that the fifth commandment is very, very important in God's eyes, and he, so he has attached a particular promise to it, to make it even to make you even more willing and excited to obey it. Okay, he's attached a particular promise to it to make you even more willing and excited to obey it. So yes, love of God, love of mom and dad, the glory of God, these are to be your primary motivators. But God has graciously attached another promise to it, a promise to even Stir up your motivation all the more. And what is the promise? The promise is that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. That it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. So we have to acknowledge, okay? It's a fact. 
reality that there are many children, many children who do not believe in Jesus Christ, who do not obey their mom and their dad, and yet things seem to be well with them. They seem to have and do have rather long lives on this earth. And we also have to acknowledge that there are many children who do, by grace, believe in Jesus Christ and do, by His grace, not perfectly, but sincerely obey mother and father out of love for Him and them and to the glory of God who do not, who do not have long lives on this earth. So I think those things compel us to understand a couple things when it comes to this promise. And the first is this. The first is this. We should understand this promise to be speaking about God's ordinary and usual dealings with His people. God's ordinary and usual dealings with His people. You think of it this way. Proverbs teach us that faithful parenting ordinarily leads to children who do not totally nor finally depart from the Lord. Some do, but ordinarily faithful parenting leads to children who do not totally nor finally depart from the Lord. And so in a similar manner, obedient children, in general, it goes well with them in this life and they live relatively long lives on this earth. What's being taught here is that children who obey their parents, in essence, are leading a lifestyle, a pattern of life, which ordinarily in God's providence tends to result in things going well with them and them living long lives. And we're familiar with such things. Think about this. If you eat healthy, you exercise and you give your body the rest and the sleep that it needs, these things ordinarily tend towards wellness and length of days. But it's not an ironclad guarantee. You could still get in a car wreck and die at an early age. And it's in a similar way as likewise here. Children who heed the wise counsel of their parents who are striving to raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, similar to the way Proverbs 9 teaches us, if they're walking in wisdom's ways, generally walking in wisdom's ways leads to things being well with you and to living length of days. But it's not an ironclad guarantee. Everything glorifies God. So these things will be true of you or not insofar as God is glorified and you're conformed to Christ. But nevertheless, it's a general promise of God's ordinary dealings. Second, though, we ought be driven here not to only think of this promise generally. We ought to be driven to cast our eyes upward and heavenly, upward and heavenly. And the reason I say that is this. It's because obedience, obedience, true, sincere, heart obedience to this command is nothing else but an act of saving faith. It is nothing else but a fruit, an act of saving faith. And so we're caused to put our minds to faith. Hebrews 11.6 tells you that without faith it's impossible. It is impossible to please God. And obeying your parents in the Lord is pleasing to God. But something you cannot do without faith. 
Romans 8, right? You cannot be subject to the law of God in your flesh. You must be made new in Jesus Christ and must be given the saving grace of faith. And so this promise pushes us from fruit to root and by doing so pushes our minds to the even greater blessings and promises that are attached to saving faith, forgiveness of sins. Peace with God and everlasting life. So you see, wellness in the sense of peace with God and forgiveness of sins, and then not mere, not mere length of days on this earth, but everlasting life in the new heavens and on a new earth. And thus we ought to think heavenly, heavenly about this commandment as the fruit that drives us to the root. So children, I'd ask you tonight, Have you, have you believed in Jesus Christ? Have you believed in Jesus Christ? Do you possess the root that can only stem from this fruit? And you may come to church faithfully with your parents. You may gather around faithfully for family worship. But I'd ask you, do you know? Do you know that you've given your life to Jesus Christ to save you from your sins? And maybe you're unsure. Maybe you're unsure tonight. You you look at me and say, Pastor, I don't even know how to really answer that question. I don't know for sure. If that's the case, either or is the case, then hear God's offer tonight. He offers to save you. To save you from your sins. To save you from hell forever. If you would, but cry out to God. Pray to God to give you a new heart. So that you could. So that you could embrace Jesus Christ. So that you could receive His perfect righteousness. Because remember, He is the only. He is the only perfect Son. The only perfectly obedient child. And he came to live that perfect life in order that sinful children could be saved. And he went to the cross and he was nailed to the cross. Think of the pain that he endured. Why? So that sinners, including sinful, disobedient children, could be saved. God came in the flesh Not to save children who obey their parents in the Lord. But to save sinners, disobedient children, to wash them of their sins. That's why he came. That's why he came. And so look to Jesus Christ to receive that forgiveness. To receive those greater promises attached to saving faith. And know that when you do, when you do believe in Jesus Christ, not only are your sins forgiven, are you washed and counted as righteous and given everlasting life. But He gives you the Holy Spirit who will strengthen you, will strengthen you to obey your parents in the Lord as He calls you to do. And know, know that even when you fail, because even in Christ you will fail because of remaining sin. Remember His word that He is faithful and just to forgive your sins. You will confess them 
to Him. And so when you fail, when you disobey mom and dad, you don't obey out of a right heart or to a right end. Go to your God and Savior. Plead the merits of Jesus and beg His forgiveness and He'll do it. He'll do it. And go to mom and dad and I'm sure, sure they will forgive as well. Look to the Lord Jesus Christ and to all who are listening tonight. This is for everybody. I'd ask you tonight, when you were a child, did you, did you obey your parents perfectly? When you were a child, did you obey your parents perfectly? I think we all know the answer to that question. None of us. None of us obeyed our parents perfectly. And that means that we all, every one of us in this room, in our sins, deserve the wrath and the curse of God. We all deserve hell forever. None of us deserve heavenly blessings. And therefore, all of us, all of you, every one of us, myself, we all tonight need to understand our need and our continual need for the perfect Son of God. Everyone in here needs to look to the Son of God by faith. And so again, I would ask you tonight, where do you stand? Where do you stand with Jesus Christ? Have you trusted in the Son of God for forgiveness for your sins? And if not, flee to Him. Seek refuge in Jesus Christ. Embrace Jesus Christ. Receive Him and rest upon Him and Him alone for salvation from your sins that it may be well with you. That you may have life everlasting in the new heavens and on the new earth. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we do confess that none of us, oh God, none of us are obedient children to you in our sins. We would all go astray in a heartbeat. We would all do what was right in our own minds. We would have none of you, none of you at all, if it were not for you pursuing us. If it were not for you having given your Son, your only begotten, that perfect Son, to lay down his life and to take it up again that we may have forgiveness and life everlasting and be united in him, to him, and have the Holy Spirit, O oh God, that down payment and that earnest who strengthens us, who conforms us to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, to pray that this word tonight would be made effectual in the hearts especially of the children here in Black Forest. Lord, we know what happens from your word when the seed is sown. Falls on some soil and Satan snatches, falls on other soils. Cares of the world, lusts of the flesh, stamp out the seed. But some, God, by your grace, it sinks down into the heart. It takes root. And it bears fruit to your glory. And so we pray that that would be what happens with this seed sown tonight in every heart in which it was sown. That you would keep Satan away. 
that you would protect from the lusts of the world, of the flesh, of the eyes, of the pride of life, O oh God. Help this word to be effectual in our midst. Draw any who do not know you this night. Draw them to Jesus Christ. Cause them to reflect on this word and your free offer of gospel mercy to them. Draw them unto yourself. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.